This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use offer code PROBABLYSCIENCE. That was awesome. Yeah, Larry. That was the first uh, professional physicist to read our advert. (laughs) I've got a future. (laughs) (laughs) Probably science. Before before we get into the main show, I, I, I'm Matt Kershaw. Uh, that was uh, Dr. Larry Price, who you're going to hear a lot for, more from later. I'm joined by Jesse Case. Hello, Andy is Andy is stuck at work, uh, but um, we have a few people to thank, right? We have a few people to thank, and we didn't have time to do it in the in the body of the actual episode because we had, as you'll hear, we we had people skyping in from around the country, and it was quite tricky to. Uh, to get that all together and we didn't want to waste their time by doing that while they were spending their valuable time calling from the East Coast. Uh, but uh, f- firstly, um, from well over a week ago, um, uh, Rebecca Thornhill, who tweets uh, and often tweets us good stuff. At, Super uh, fan Rebecca, yes. Uh, Goddammit Kitty, at Goddammit Kitty, who's a me- she's a medical imaging physicist in Canada, and she's donated. Thank you very much. Um, anyone else who wants to donate, you can go to probablyscience.com, the Squarespace power to probablyscience.com. <laughs> Larry on, knows. Click on the donate button. Um, uh, Mike- Dan- Dana Winston. We've uh, Also, one of the reasons to email us, that's at probablyscience at gmail.com, is if we forgot. We don't mean to forget you if you donate. Dana, who's, who's written in with loads of good stuff as well, but also reminded us, gave us a... a- a polite, gentle nudge to, to fucking remember her. So, um, thank you very much, Dane. We're sorry about missing you out before. Uh, and we, we're not going to miss out uh, Michael McCluster. Uh, Michael McCluster from uh, right up the road, Alameda. Uh, he, he was kind enough to donate some money. And uh, I'm sure there's more people. I'm going to try and find them. Loads of people have sent in stories. Uh, we love it when you guys send in stories. Uh, but particularly, um, a lot of people sent in the same story this week. It's the biggest science story of the week. Uh, and, uh, Possibly the biggest one of the year. It's, it's a, very it's big a one. huge science story. It was big enough that we dragged together three of our favorite scientists, three of our favorite physicists, and got them to both join us in the studio and Skype in from different places. Uh, so we got that together. Oh, oh there we go. Uh, I knew there was at least another one. Uh, Christopher Lauder as well. Lauder! Uh, from uh, Georgia. Loud from Dog! Georgia. Uh, was very, very nice. Clam Lauder! So uh, thank you very much, you guys. And also, uh, if you are buying anything off Amazon, you can use our little uh, Amazon f- uh, Associates link on our website as well. And it costs you no extra. We get a little bit of extra commission. That is all the admin over and done with. Uh, that was some excellent advertising reading. That was excellent. Thank you, Larry. And uh, now we're going to start the episode and repeat many of the things we just said. Because, yeah, we can't remember what we did or didn't say at the top of the show. But uh, I'm sorry about the slight redundancy in there. I hope you enjoy the show. We think it's a really fun one. Welcome to Probably Science. This is the most complicated episode we've ever done. And I'm not even talking about the science yet. This is just the, the audio this setup. Is, it's a mess, Matt. This is a mess. Andy's still stuck at work, cataloging <laughs> clips of people falling off skateboards. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm Matt Kirshen. Uh, sat opposite me is Jesse Case. Hello. Uh, we're He's at the... Uh, Jesse may or may not be he's not on acid it was just a running joke from beforehand (laughs) Um, she made that clear Um, in the in the studio with us yeah we're not at Bluebell Ranch (laughs) we're not at Bluebell Ranch we're at we're at uh, we're at Emory Studio Emory Emory Uh, and um, sat to my left uh, we we have Larry Price we've got three of our favorite physicists with us right now sat to my left in the studio is Larry 
Hey. Uh, What's going on, guys? Joining us from Washington State is uh, Jamie Rollins. Hello. And joining from New York City is Jan Eleven. Yeah, this is this is quite a scene, you guys. This is um, <laughs> like we're trying to do what NPR did with their with their thousands and professional yeah. setup. Yeah, but they it, didn't hit it like you guys are. They did not. They uh, there was less giggling on their episode. There was. Less. Not when I'm on. We've got a. We've got the solution. had less acid. Right. Sure. Sure. Our solution sort of involves we're skyping Jana and Jamie, and then we were simultaneously phoning Jamie using Larry's phone because there was feedback on that lot. It's a mess. It's a mess. But hopefully, we've got these guys. Andy might be joining us at some point when he gets out of work. Uh, but we wanted to get all these guys together, our, our favorite physicists, because there's been massive physics news this week. Massive physics news. We should probably get straight into it. Massive cosmology news. Uh, I don't know. I don't fully understand. Oh, I don't even come close. I don't know why I put it in the word fully. As if I was like, yeah, I 90% understand you're so, it. You're so humble, Matt. There's just a few of the, just a few of the little specifics when it comes to the quantum equations that I've slightly... Well, I, okay, so it seems, from what I understand, uh, it seems like before this last week, uh, gravity waves were still theoretical. Is that true? Well, there was... More or less. More or it less. Was, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this detection is pretty much on par with the previous detection. And this is really, this is really about inflation. I think that's the big thing. Was there a previous detection? Because last time well, you guys were on, you said you hadn't found well, anything. Using using the Hulse-Taylor binary, using watching binary pulsars get closer together is a, is a similar sort of I don't know I, I would put this on the same level I guess. Okay. I think some people argue about whether this is a more direct detection. That's all that people argue about. Like the binary that um, Larry's mentioning was a really great confirmation and it earned Nobel prizes. But the question is, is this more direct than than that? So was this direct? Was this discovered or detected at one of the the Ligos labs? No, no. no this no. is this is an experiment no, at the South not, Pole called Bicep. Yeah. It's not that direct. Oh, okay. What happened? Yes. What ha- I, I don't know anything. Then how? Did yeah, we, it- should, we should start right from the beginning. So, the, the, what what was the discovery, and what is inflation theory, and how do they connect? So, so I'm I'm just going to leap in because I probably won't be on for long. But um, the this is more like suggesting that the light left over from the Big Bang is the detector, and impressed in this light is kind of an archaeological remnant of gravitational waves. And people say it's direct because it's it's almost like using a detector you built with your hands. It's a direct imprint, um, but it was something that nature kind of created. This light left over from the Big Bang. Okay, now say all of that again, but use completely different words. <laughs> Somebody else want to try? Well, no, I have no idea what's going on. It's sort of like... Did you ever do a show on the cosmic microwave background? Did you guys ever talk to anybody about that? We haven't, no. So we, we're uh, going to have to really start from yeah, first principles well, yeah, on this one. Just so, pretend we're three-year-olds, please. <laughs> well, we can start... The, the, the beginning is like literally the, the Big Bang. you guys are <laughs> like you're three-year-olds. <laughs> We're being slammed. From, we're being slammed from two different states right now. <laughs> we are. Yeah. So, so you know that you know that there's this discovery of the light left over from the Big Bang, which right. was so, discovered um, accidentally 
and um, is a, like a bath of, of light that's no longer hot, that's pretty cold by now because it's been cooling for 13.8 billion years, but it surrounds us and it's literally left over from the earliest moments in the universe's history. It's from the hot explosion of the Big Bang. So this is what gets described as the echo of the Big Bang? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really a remnant heat. It's a relic, you know, hot bath, but it's, it's cold by now. <laughs> and and what, what is... Inf- so, uh, Inflation theory is the theory about specifically how the how the Big Bang happened in the first microseconds. A little inflation is really quite complicated. I, I have a little. My only reservation about this discovery is that I'm not quite um, as excited as everyone else that it's a detect, it's a confirmation of inflation. But I think that in some sense, inflation was equally well confirmed already, or not as well confirmed now. However, you feel about it, but. But inflation is the idea that, that very, very early in the universe's history, like a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second, after the universe began, it underwent this incredibly rapid expansion, superluminal expansion, faster than light. And during that time, like it, it sort of creates this energetic soup when it's done, um, when it's over, and it recreates the Big Bang. So when we look back at the early universe, if inflation is, is correct... What we're really seeing is the end of inflation. That's what looks like the Big Bang to us. Uh, okay, so so the so now so the bi- inflation actually predates the Big Bang. Kind of, it's well, what happens well, before the Big Bang. Ah, uh, that's really touchy. Like nobody knows. Was there a Big Bang and then inflation took over, or did it start with inflation? But whatever inflation does, it kind of erases anything that came before. And you and, said you said it, it's faster than light because I I always th- thought. Light, yeah. the speed of light is an absolute limit. So how does that happen? Yeah. No, no, Freddie Mercury was faster than the speed of light. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to make a supersonic man out of you. Well, that's faster than the sound Freddy. that we. I know about Freddie, but it it the the trick is not to let information travel faster than the speed of light. Space time itself can expand faster than the speed of light. And in fact, right now there's parts of the universe that are <clears throat> receding away from us faster than the speed of light. Okay, uh, but the inflation. Sorry, but the information. Information but can't get to those places and back right. quicker than light. That's right. So how do and we... completely sound in terms of relativity. How do we know that then? I mean, forgive my... It's probably... A, Wait, how do we know that, the, that inflation happened or oh, that there are parts How do we know that anything is ever moving faster than the speed of light if, if the information can only travel at that speed? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So, so, there's, so this dates back to, you know, uh, Hubble, after whom the famous satellite is named... Um, who showed that the galaxies expand um, away from us um, faster if they're more distant. So there's this specific relationship that we're able to track. Um, And we're able to see that galaxies move away from us faster and faster and faster, and we can tell by, you know, they get redder. It's like, a, it's like when a train goes away from you, the sound, the pitch of the horn. Sure. Oh, the Doppler shift where right? it kind of goes, <laughs> Yeah, help me out, somebody. Yeah, like that. <laughs> so the galaxies get, we can actually see that they get redder, and then we can measure their velocities from that. It's not that information's getting to us faster. Interesting. Yeah. But that's a whole long story. That's right. But that's, but that's one of the reasons that, that we need inflation, too, because we have these... Or something this like is no inflation. no time to talk economics. <laughs> I feel that... Uh, so, that's, well, I mean, because you, you look on opposite sides of the sky and you see these things receding away so quickly. And so there's, there's no possible way that the, the things on one side of the sky could ever communicate with the things on the other side. Um, yet they have a lot of the same properties, right? They're made out of the same stuff. They have the same temperature. 
So you need you need something to explain that. To explain the uniformity from two things that are further apart than right, or the, the similarities. So it's how can things that are so far apart that they can't communicate with each other have these same properties? So be at the same temperature, made out of the same stuff, and the and the answer is that the, it it was all the same thing before inflation. But how does that differ from the Big Bang? Like from yeah, I everything just coming from the Big Bang. I thought that's uh, what the Big Bang was. Yeah. Well, the the Big Bang actually. So, so that's that's kind of tricky, but messy business. So you sort of expect that if there was a big bang without inflation, it was this really messy event, and things were like very lumpy and um, kind of chaotic, and the universe was sort of went from nothing to instantaneously, possibly infinite, and and two regions nearly infinitely separated had nothing to do with each other, so could have totally random conditions laid down at the moment of creation. Um, so what you really want is to say, well, let them get together and talk. And spit. it would be like visiting ancient civilizations and finding out that they spoke the same language to like you know one word in a hundred thousand. You would really want believe that they had once actually communicated and that that wasn't just you okay. know, two languages erupted identically. That just seems nuts. So it's oh, it's kind of like yeah, I, and I think that's what Larry's describing that the conditions are just way too similar to not have talked to each other directly. Okay, that makes sense. So, so the findings, the things that they actually found, like what was it they found in these detectors? What were the pa- it was patterns of gravitational waves? Guys, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, I, during oh, inflation, ahead, um, yeah. So, so during inflation, I mean, that was a really violent process, and that created some gravitational waves. And so, these gravitational waves leave an imprint on this cosmic microwave background radiation. And that imprint is, is very unique to gravitational waves. So if you remember okay. the, the last time we talked about gravitational waves, the way that gravitational waves act on something is, you know, they act in two dimensions. So they, they stretch in one dimension, and then they squeeze in the perpendicular dimension. So they, they basically, almost like the same way air compresses and expands with sound waves, that's what the actual fabric of gravity is. Well, it's sort of, if you, if you had a ring of particles, mm-hmm. the top and the bottom would come closer together, and the left and the right would be farther apart. Sure, sure. And, then, and then the opposite would happen. And the left and the right would come closer together, and the top and the bottom would come. Right. So the, but the, the point is, is that it acts in two directions at the same time. And so it leaves uh, it's these... Like, it's, like the, it's like the analogy that you were using with um, air waves, but the air waves are uh, compression in the direction of the travel, whereas the gravitational waves are perpendicular. Okay, so, okay. A slightly different effect. Yeah. And so the, the imprints that it leaves have this, uh, or don't have this mirror symmetry. And so that's how, that's how you can tell them from other things. And so, that's, and so that's precisely what they measured, is these wiggles. So it's sort of, it's kind of like, you know, if you took a picture of a frozen pond, and, or, you know, you took a picture of a pond, and then said something about the wind that was flowing over it at that time. Does that make sense? You know, so the winds would create waves. Yes. And then you would just take a picture of that pond and then be able to say something about oh, the you wind would, pattern. You would be able was... to deduce the wind. So that's, that's kind of an analogy. Maybe, maybe that's a really crappy analogy. No, it, it, yeah, no, it, it is crappy and it upsets me. But, <laughs> but, but, um, no, but I mean, I, I can certainly understand it. So, so what was then this... Um, uh, Jana seems to be very skeptical that this is any new information, but what... what is... Oh, no, 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 I'm not. 
no, I think it's huge. I think it's an absolutely stunning lake. Well, don't I, don't backtrack because you were telling her. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no. I said I wasn't. I didn't feel it was any more exciting for inflation than inflation should already have been excited about. Like the same. The same criticism of inflation would still survive, and the same celebration of inflation is still there. So, right, okay. so but we should already have been excited about inflation after, after looking at the light left over from the Big Bang in the first place. Well, before yeah, we hit record... Wait, let me just say that this is a, this is a theorist talking who, yeah. you know, doesn't... Basically irrelevant. Evidence, not, no, 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 not that it's irrelevant, <laughs> but just that this is actual... The, the thing that I think is... There's two things that I think, well, there's a lot of things that I think are incredibly exciting about this. First of all, it's just beautiful experiment. But the point is, is that we, up until not that long ago, the, you know, we could see back a certain distance in time to about 300,000 years after the Big Bang, which is when this last, what we call this like surface of last scattering, where this CMB radiation came from. But this imprint of the gravitational waves on the CMB those gravitational waves are coming from 10 to the minus 32 seconds after the, you know, the Big right, Bang. Right. So we're actually seeing like way further back in time than we, you know, than we were, you know, the day, you know, last week. So it's like, it's incredible that, I mean, for a long time, we thought that just seeing this cosmic microwave background was, was basically as far back as we were going to get. And then we realized that as we dug deeper into the CMB, that there were these, you know, imprints of earlier stuff happening on the CMB. Wow. So that's, so, the, that's yeah. the thing that's really cool. I, I think that's quite right. It's, it's, it's a really amazing pushback. I think a lot of people sort of um, started to think, well, we'll never really see these B modes or there, oh, there'll be 10 or 20 years and coming before we see gravitational waves. Yeah, Sorry, my, my I, mom I slipped, used to I slipped say into that, technical yeah. jargon. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. It's but, very um, late in New York. <laughs> but, you know, but, but I think Jamie's right. That's the exciting thing. It's like this is an unbelievable, like, thumbprint. And um, and I, yeah. I think people are blown away by it. Well, so, yeah. what was the actual experiment, if you don't mind? I, I'm uh, I'm the idiot of the group. Well, if, I, if I you can bear so with me. I will join you on that one. I don't know how the experiment works. All okay, I know is it happened in the South Pole somewhere. <laughs> Did it involve okay, penguins? Experimentalist here, I can comment on this one. Excellent. So we've been so we've been like as Jenna said, we were looking. You know, we found this cosmic microwave background radiation 50 years ago just by accident, where we had these microwave. Uh, receivers that are, you know, it's sort of like a radio receiver, radio dish, but it's for, for microwaves, which is, you know, same stuff that's in your microwave oven, essentially. And so these guys had pointed it at the sky and were hearing this noise and they didn't know where it was coming from until they finally realized that it was coming from essentially the Big Bang. And so then ever since then, we've been pointing microwave receivers at the sky to try to listen for this cosmic microwave background. And so we've been making them more and more and more sensitive. And so what this was was just a, a really more, much more high-tech sensitive version of these same receivers, except it's got like all this resolution, you know, high resolution. It's super cooled. It's in a, you know, super cooled at. It's at the South Pole because there's no um, moisture in the air to, you know, block the signal. And... Um, they were able to just get this really, you know, precise, high-resolution picture of not just the amplitude of the microwave, 
but their polarization, sort of like in which direction they're wiggling relative to each other. And I remember reading something about that. That turned out to be key, right, in the discoveries, the fact, the, the, the map of the polarizations of it. Right. That's it's, what it, that's, that is the discovery. Yeah, that is the discovery. Yeah, that is the discovery. That, they, yeah. they, made this, they made this instrument specifically to look for polarization, not even just polarization, but a specific polarization effect. So they they were really they really knew exactly the effect that they were going after and they you know super targeted their instrument for look just for that effect. There are a whole bunch of experiments that we're trying to do that and for the past several years. So so they just beat everyone to the punch and um, they were you know I don't know if they were like the favorite contender but they just sort of came in. And there are a lot of experiments that are going to be scrambling right now. Yeah, there's there's actually uh, the space based experiment. Planck that's that should be about ten times more sensitive to this effect if it really if the if the numbers actually hold up. So I think sure. I think the detection will hold up, but I'm a little skeptical about the actual numbers that they got. So that thing the space experiment is either gonna confirm or or, or tweak what's yeah, but these guys, um, the space experiment stopped taking data in 2013 when they like ran out of coolant. So it's, they must be kicking themselves. I know. I would. Oh man. They've been. They've, I've been to their website every day since <laughs> this happened, just waiting for. Just now, looking for like snarky comments. <laughs> now we. The last time you guys were on, we did discuss this. That if something like this was discovered, a la the movie Contact, is there a red beeping light? That starts happening, and like you sort of notice it in the middle of the night while you're eating Chinese food, and then you have to call someone, and everybody like aims their satellites. Did that happen? Do you oh, know yeah. if these guys had a red beeping light going on in this Antarctica? This is so boring. This was yeah. like three years of really tedious data analysis. That's right. Oh. Yeah. There, must, there must have been a point at which they discovered they're getting close, right, or not? Yeah, but it's after like lots of laborious yeah. analysis of the data and then yeah. like discussion and then fine tuning their algorithms and going back and arguing like with each other just comes on so there's it no like eureka moment no it's a yeah. very ugly story yeah these kind these kinds of things you just you have a very tiny signal and so you build it up and build it up and build it up and then you know and then you think you find something and people tell you right. you're full of shit go you know, look at this and sure, sure. Now the video, the video that's been going around, that's been doing the rounds of as of the last few days, where the guy gets surprised with a bottle of champagne. Andre Linde. Andre what what is it that the other, the the physicist who brings the champagne? What is it he says to them on he the says, doorstep? He says it's five sigma. R equals point two. <laughs> R equals point two at five sigma. R equals point two. At and what does that mean? Like, because that's never explained in the video. Well, so so okay so. So R is a technical, whatever the quantitative measure is, is not that important, but it's a measure of how much gravitational radiation there is imprinted in the microwave background, basically. Um, and, um, and it could have been zero. You could have had no gravitational imprint. So, so can we just go back to inflation for what's going on for a second? Absolutely, there's, please. There's this period of incredibly superluminal expansion, and as this is happening, there's like quantum vibrations that are just being frozen in on kind of the cosmic landscape on the largest scales. And some of those are in gravitational waves or in the shape of space. This very shape of space becomes slightly deformed from like just quantum vibrations and they get frozen in. Now it's possible that, that there was like none of that. And inflation, this is what I was saying about inflation earlier. It's very exciting for inflation, but it's also kind of confusing because inflation also has some models that predict no 
deformations in the shape of space being imprinted and the light left over from the Big Bang. So, so this stuff gets imprinted and then later, you know, we see it because it's this kind of archaeological remnant in there. But, but inflation is consistent with none of it. It also, in some models, because there is no, we don't really know what causes inflation. We don't know what to point to fundamentally as the source of inflation. And so, so you can make up toy models all the time. And in some of these models, it's big from the deformations in the shape of space, you know, the gravitational waves. And so, you know, I have to say, for Andre Linde's models, the, guys, the guy you're describing in that video who receives the champagne, I think, he, I think that his models of inflation do predict a pretty strong signal in gravitational waves. And point two is roughly the amount. Roughly. So I called a friend because, you know, I wanted to find out kind of the inside scoop who works on these experiments. And he said a lot of people were thinking from inflation, again, it doesn't really matter what it quantifies, but a number more like 0.02. And that's why people weren't much smaller. And, uh, and so, so I think what's a big surprise about this is how big the signal is. That's right. And that, that's the part that I think won't stand up to further analysis. So you think once the space, once the space uh, experiment comes through, I, th- I think it's going to bring it down. I don't know. They're, they're, well, we'll see, but their data is, I mean, their data looks pretty good. I mean, there's, a question, there's a question if they could have done so well from the ground, if the number wasn't so big. Right. And they, I mean, they, the, the way that they did it too, is that they only look at one frequency of light. So that sort of introduces, hmm. um, so you you can have things like dust in space that can sure, sure. that can mess with your measurement and and typically these space based instruments look at other frequencies too to to help subtract the effects of those things and I guess these guys claim that they don't have that kind of problem but but we'll see we'll see hmm. um, I wonder if they spent I wonder if they spent the first two years thinking like oh, sorry we're all out of phase sorry technological problems no no go ahead Jenna. Sorry, Janet, can you hear us? Oh, okay, sorry, I, I got dropped out. I got dropped out of the call. Yeah, I'm back in, I'm back in. Sorry about that. Um, Very so matrixy. I was going to say, I bet they spent the first couple of years thinking Planck, yeah, <laughs> thinking Planck would trump them, which is a satellite mission that Larry was talking about that would have much better access, really, to straightforward information because it's out of the atmosphere. It's a satellite. Right. And I'm sure that probably they were analyzing their data for like a couple of years, and then they're like, you know, these satellite missions and these other experiments are being really slow, and we're on it. Like, they must have started to be surprised to realize they were, like, you know, going towards the finish line. Nobody was racing them. Right. It must have been, like, a weird, right. in the last year, I bet they just went flat out, knowing they had something. Right, right. So, so wait, I, have a, I have a question, comment, that I sort of for Jana. Because one of the things that... Um, is most interesting to me that um, for some reason I feel like doesn't get as much um, people don't talk about as much, but the, the fact that there are gravitational waves from inflation implies quantization of gravity. Ah, uh, that's, yes? that's an interesting question, but it doesn't, it implies that you can fluctuate the metric but it doesn't prove that space-time comes in quantized bits. But you were just saying that this level. is freezing out of these early quantum fluctuations. Yeah. Right? I mean, is, it, right. is that? I mean, I, I, I feel 
my under, I mean, I don't understand this stuff at all, but my yeah. understanding is that the, that the gravitational waves, the, the fact that there are even gravitational waves produced means there is a grand unification going on. Well, you could say the same thing about Hulse-Taylor. You know, there are deformations in the shape of space, but we still think of it as just a gradual, like I think of, I think of the gravitational but that waves. that doesn't quantization of the, of the right and I don't think I don't think this does either exactly so I, I think that what this okay. describes is changes so so you could say this like a new, like a neutron star is orbiting another neutron star and so the shape of space around them is sort of slowly changing and that's the wave that we measure and there's nothing particularly you know quantized about it when you look at, at inflation it is quantum fluctuation like it is from the uncertainty principle in some sense that you can't stop it from happening you know you can't you can't repress this urge that like fields have to vibrate but it's still pretty like it's just still changes in the curves in the space I think when people are really hitting on quantum gravity, what they're what they're trying to look at is does space come in little individual bundles? It, it, and I think that's still that's still a far reach. Skypeland, there's some there's some glazed over eyes over here. <laughs> not glazed I, over, just kind of confused. No, not <laughs> glazed over. I'm, I'm just I, you guys can't see this, so I feel like I just need to report. <laughs> no, I just uh, <laughs> we we're just getting a bit lost. So you, well, I offered I mean, video in, man. No, I know, but I know we can't, we can't like there's the limits of this are, technology. Are, we should have um, because we're talking amongst ourselves. We should have to google hangouts i think that lets you do two videos at time skype only lets you do audio were you guys just doing like a physicist mating ritual is that what that was (laughs) that was so confusing what's the uncertainty principle back up a lot oh i hope not um (laughs) (laughs) no i don't like i i i uh, I, uncertainty principle let larry describe that one the, you can see how glazed over your eyes. No, no, no. I, yeah, I mean, do we want to go into quantum mechanics? Let's let's bring it back to. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't. I guess I didn't understand what uh, Jamie. I didn't understand what you meant by uh, you said a quantified or quantized. Like, okay, so so right. So here's the, the so the reason I bring it up is because it's one of the other big sort of unanswered questions in physics is that we have these four fundamental forces. Right. We have. The gravitational force, which is the weakest, we have the electromagnetic force, we have the weak force, and the strong the strong force are things that are mostly on very small scales inside of atoms. In the electromagnetic force is, you know, electricity and magnetism. So the standard model of physics basically says that if you go at if you go to high enough energies, uh, the forces all start to unify. They start to become indistinguishable. So, you know, the strong force and the weak force become indistinguishable and you keep going up in energy and then the electromagnetic force is in there. And then there's speculation about, well, what happened? You know, gravity is so much weaker than the other one. Right. That, that it doesn't like the standard model doesn't actually have much to say about when when like how high of an energy you would have to go before gravity is unified, we've, or it, would it ever be unified? Because we've talked so, about this a bit on the show, about how just weirdly weak gravity is, like in the same way that like, the tiniest of fridge magnets can counteract right. the gravity of the entire Earth. You're, exactly. And so, so, the question, so one of the big outstanding questions is, is, where is this, what they call the gut scale, which is the grand unified theory. It's like if, if there is some theory that unifies all the forces together, right now, Gravity is this weird outlier thing that doesn't, that's really not part of the standard model. And so at some point, 
you know, is there, a, is if you, if you go back far enough, is there, does everything unify together? And so some people are talking about how this result actually is, is evidence for the grand unification because you have these quantum fluctuations in gravity. That's what I was trying to ask Jenna about is basically, does this indicate that there were quantum fluctuations in gravity in this very, 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 very early universe? And does that sort of imply something about this unification of all the forces? I, I thought that the result that they had was that inflation took place at the gut scale, which was sort of, okay. you know, because the, the, their grand unified theory scale, which is, you know, a dimensional analysis and right. kinds of things will get you there. But that's, I, I, I felt like that was a surprise too, that it said that, that I mean, as if, I thought that was implied by the fact that the, that there are gravitational waves emitted. I mean, if we hadn't have seen gravitational waves in the CMB polarization imprint, then it just wouldn't well, it wouldn't have said anything about the gut scale. But the but, fact that we see them where we see them means that some somehow we've reached that. It comes from R equals point two. Is, and so now that's, what, that's now another, what is that? The that's R an, equals so point that's two. The, that's, this, that's this ratio that we were talking about. That's yeah, the thing yeah. that they say uh, at the beginning of with the champagne much, video. Sure, right, sure. Right. Yeah, right. Now, uh, I was a bit confused earlier, uh, Jana, when you were saying about how they'd, how they'd become, uh, these things had become sort of frozen in different parts of space. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a... I'm such a moron. I'm so sorry. No, I you just, don't understand. This stuff you, is really... That's a really good um, question about a really hard thing. It is. It's really... So basically, if you... So imagine that these things are fluctuating, but then they're stretched really, as we said, faster than light can communicate between two parts of it. Suddenly it's like stretched okay, to the, points. The, the expansion where, is still happening. Yeah, and okay. so, so there's these quantum vibrations, these deformations get imprinted, and then they're stretched. And then they're stretched so big that, like, two parts of it can't communicate anymore, and they become kind of frozen. You know, they can't, they can't smooth out in any way. Right. And, and so they become locked in. If that hadn't happened, if it hadn't been expanding so quickly, you could kind of imagine that things, you know, light would scatter around and hot particles would scatter around and maybe these, these lumps would kind of be ironed out by sure. just, you know, like a mix master or something would smooth out the lumps. But it can't happen because now they're separated by distances greater than light can travel. It's not even possible. Okay. Now, Jana, um, we, you... You originally, Jana was going to be joining us for about 10 minutes and we've kept yeah. her for over I half know. an hour. You're so uh, tired. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's, she's just I pretending she has something else to do. She doesn't really. I have really. guests over. She, she does. We've, we've a kept, physicist with a life. She, we've kept her away from, her, from being a good host. Um, uh, Jana, um, thank you so, so much for joining us. As before, um, our guests can find you at Jana Levin. Uh-huh. Is there anything else, uh, like anything else, we should know from you before we 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 hand you over uh, before well, we sign you out? I don't know. I think that this is, you know, the only thing I, I, I can say is that I, I sort of saw a lot of people who were working on this, and I have to say, like, for, to my shame, I thought this was really tedious work. And like when I was a graduate student, and all these people were throwing themselves into trying to understand this kind of stuff, I thought, you know, I know it's important. I know it's a big deal, but it's really boring. <laughs> and I have to tell you that they really like came up with these beautiful, beautiful results. Both the theory, theoretically, they came up with this very clean interpretation, this very stunning 
idea that, you know, you could see gravitational waves in this light. And then they went for it. I mean, all of these experiments, and I'm just, I'm kind of sitting back and I'm really admiring what what they accomplished. So I felt pretty excited about it. That's, that's a very nice note to end things. Um, Jana, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Uh, bye, guys. Bye, Jana. See you, Jana. Bye. bye. All right. So we are now... Then there were two. Then there were two. Oh, there we go. That's the, that's the noise. That's the Skype sound of Jana leaving. Jamie, Jamie, are you still here? Have we done it correctly? I'm, I'm still here. I'm okay. still here. Okay, fantastic. Cool. Cool. Um, I guess one thing I was wondering there when, uh, as we're wrapping up is like, I suppose it, it... I don't mean as we're wrapping up. I mean as, as Janice Call was wrapping up. But I suppose it makes sense that things don't expand perfectly uniformly and things like that. Just the fact that we're here. Like the fact that even the fact that a planet could form, I have such a rudimentary view of it, but I mean, obviously it's going to be a lumpy, uneven expansion. So, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. There, I mean, at, at that time there were, it, it turns out it was pretty uniform. I mean, it's sort of the way inflation works. You know, if you had, I don't know if you had like some wrinkled clothes or something and you stretch them out, like you, you pull those wrinkles out pretty right, well. Right. And so it's pretty uniform. And actually the, the tiniest little quantum fluctuations were form the seeds of structure in the universe. So right. these are things that later like gravity. Well, that's what I mean. Though. It, had, it had to be an abnormality. Yeah. Or but, it would just be, we wouldn't even be able to see matter. It would just be the, this complete fluid energy expansion. That's right. But it's so small. It's so small. I, man, don't tell me how small I am. <laughs> I don't like thinking about that mess. I don't want to so think about me, that mess. Let me no, man. point out that um, gravity actually, over time, acts to make the small differences bigger, right? So all you need is, a, is one point. That's what this, the, getting back to the quantum fluctuations. Yeah. You need one point that's just a tiny bit more dense than the points around it. And it, over time, it's going to become denser, and then it's going to coalesce into all the shit we see in the universe right now. So gravity actually, you know, over time exacerbates all the initial small perturbations. Okay, almost like if you sort of if you're if you've got a, a slightly viscous liquid and you drag something through it, it picks up things as it goes along. Yeah, that's yeah. So yeah, that's right. So it, it, eventually, gravity picks up all the tiny little pieces and uh yeah it, things start to clump because of gravity mm. and there's there's some really neat I, I guess, videos that I you suppose guys I just don't even I, I suppose I just don't even understand how matter formed to begin with uh, forget life forget life forming I'm talking about just matter I mean it sounds like the big bang oh. was just a purely that's a energetic uh explosion um and then e equals mc squared man I, yeah, but I still don't get that. I mean, that just makes me need a nap when I hear it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but the initial—I mean, the initial energy from the Big Bang. I mean, is that—is that—is that what you're getting? Like, where does this come from in the first place? Well, I get, or I guess when um, because I I I'm gonna Matt, jump you know in what as I'm well. Saying, or am I sounding super hippie-ish? Like, well, no, I, I'm gonna I, jump in here I as well with going with a confusion it's on my part because talking. I I fully get how um, we now know thanks to Einstein that energy and energy and mass are two sides of the same coin and they're related by that equation by a ratio of the speed of light squared of course um when when the big bang i i guess when the big bang first happened in my head i always picture it being like particles flying out but is it 
is it particles or is it energy or is it just both? It's in it's in a state of either yeah, either and or yeah, both. You don't have yeah. particles at that point. Like you don't even have forces really that you can. I mean, it, it, the the energy is just so high that you really can't tell the difference between what's what. So okay, I guess that's what I was asking. Is is I just didn't understand that. Uh, I mean, I guess that's yeah. what we're talking about with the. Uh, you guys said gut. Got grand unified right. theory. Grand unified theory. So everything at this point is is gut. It's it's too well, infinite it's, to even. It's right. even hotter than gut. No, of course, but yeah. it's 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 everything. So it's all the it's all the shit. Pro- right. Probably, yeah. All the, all the little. That's stuff what's in you... gut is all the shit. The, exactly. the shit's exactly. in the gut. Yeah, that's a good way of remembering it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I you. I like, finally got what you were going for. That. <laughs> yeah, all the shit that we see nowadays is you know. It's stuff that has like con- condensed out because it's cooled. You know, the reason we have sort of like solid matter is because it's cold in some sense relative right. to what it was then. If you were to if you were to run the clock backwards and start to heat everything up, you know, all everything that's solid, like your table and your computer, would all start to melt and it turn into like this soupy liquid, and then it would turn into a gas, and then the gas itself would start to disassociate into like constituent particles and then those particles would break down until you got back to this, you know, gut scale where it's just like primordial a soup. soup of energy. Right. Now, we recently did a story that none of us understood as hosts of our own show. But this we, was last week's episode, I think. Oh. Uh, two ago. I think it was two ago or Is this per, the perhaps things last week. colder than the colder than absolute zero episode where we t- we talked about that there had been some uh, apparently some experiment had happened where these scientists had claimed, and this is from a legitimate science journal, had claimed that they had reached uh, colder than zero Kelvin. Uh, but I don't know what that means. Well, we don't know what that means either, but it said instead of one thing the scientists said was instead of thinking of it as colder than absolute zero, it could also be viewed as infinitely hot, meaning that the, it's neither cold nor hot. It just sort of, the, the atoms are still vibrating again, uh, and then we were confused. Why do we consider that below zero as opposed to... Are you sure somebody be- wasn't fucking with you guys? <laughs> where well, do you, where do you find a- these hosts, guys? Well, this is... I know, right? We, we don't... We, we, were, we were about... I'm, gonna, I'm now trying to find the story so I can show one of you guys so you can actually... Um, I, it I, seems I had related. Look. It seems related to primordial temperature. It was, yeah. it was linked to an article in the journal Science, which I, is one of the proper ones. It's legitimate. Yeah, That's yeah, one yeah. of the most legitimate ones. So I... I figured it was real uh it was real story rather than no it was in um it was in green earth news <laughs> right it, was in, uh, it wasn't some guy you met under a bridge no it yeah. wasn't <laughs> Just, it got some stories for you brother yeah like us like us <laughs> no it That's wasn't it wasn't from a guy's blog it was like a legitimate yeah. you know here's how we did the experiment and we think that we think that we've achieved a temperature that is both infinitely hot and infinitely cold at the same time where you can't even tell the difference anymore. Right. I've, I've heard about things like this, and I, I can say that I don't understand them. I don't understand either, but I'm saying it sounds like a similar state of energy or temperature where it's just it, – it, it sort of – as I understand the Big Bang, it is – it was infinity condensed and then exploding outward if you wanted to view it yeah. – if you wanted to view it in a very men in black uh, easy sense. Well, that's sort of like what it, you know. We have uh, if you if you sort of follow things back, you're sort of led to some initial singularity, which is you know this sort of like infinity plus, right? Like it sort of it 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 tells you that you really can't continue back there, at least with the kinds of tools that we have today. Right. Um, but yeah, that that like what that was, and if so, there was anything before is com- 
So I, you're saying that nothing is everything, <laughs> and that like everything is, dude. Larry, not, someone not on the record. It. I'm not go- on the record. Come on, man. Come on, man. They're going to take away my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> do they do that every, every so often? They just to keep you on your toes? Yeah, the PhD police come by. Come by. Hey, you been, uh, we heard you on a podcast, and that was not accurate. That's not accurate. You are back to Mr. You are Mr. Price. Mm. Wow. Um, I'm trying to open up this email now because someone did email in with a, more, with a version of it. Oh, was it just, I thought uh, Matt Matlock just emailed back, right? Uh, maybe he did. He was the one who originally sent it in. I apologize now. Did My email is opening up with a thousand windows and it's pinging you, at you. How did you do that? Uh, oh, geez. No, didn't he just email back and say he didn't understand it either? That's why he wanted us to talk about it. And then, uh, which... I, I, I'm sitting in front of a computer and I'm trying to look up this and I'm, find, I'm finding stuff that is, that is roughly what you guys are describing, but it's honestly not describing it any better it's using the same words but without explaining what the hell's going on so we we are equally as inaccurate as or and accurate as you that's right or you as, guys as, space.com are on the level well i think all of our minds are blown is really the accurate statement here yeah. they are blown but our brain matter is expanding in waves and getting frozen around us here we go my, uh my listener michael uh, gabona Okay. Emailed in uh, with a negative temperature is basically a weird state of matter where where it gets more orderly as the temperature rises instead of getting more chaotic as is usually expected. Oh, I okay. Because that's it a, goes over into an, an entropy thing. Yeah, it's an entropy uh, thing. Uh, that's I see. Okay, I uh, I don't understand how they. That's not that's not clarifying it for anybody here. But <laughs> but I but I understand. There's there's sort of. Uh, it's kind of tricky. They're using, so what they're doing there is they're using, so there's this weird thing, you know, entropy, right? The, the sort of is like a level of disorder and that it's kind of entropy and temperature are kind of related. And so, um, you know, when you, you know, a sort of a good example of that is when you cool something down, like let's say you have a glass of ice and you cool it down when in uh, ice, I mean a glass of water and the glass of water is just a, a liquid of little water molecules bouncing around, right? Then you cool it down, and all of a sudden, the, the mo- water molecules freeze out, and they kind of, like, form this ice crystal, right? Which is, which is more ordered than which just the... Which is more ordered than the water, right? Right. So there's like, this, there's, like, this relationship where the... As you go to lower temperature, things are more ordered, and there's less entropy. So temperature and entropy are sort of inversely related. Right. And, and so what, what these people are basically saying is they've somehow, I have no idea what, what they actually did or how it works or anything, but what that implies is that they created some system where that relationship didn't hold, where if you made the system hotter, the entropy went down. So... I don't know, I mean, you know, I can sort of, I don't know how you would create a system like that, but I mean, I can, I could maybe believe that they created such a thing. It's a little bit of a stretch to say that they're, that they've made some weird below absolute zero temperature scale loop thing. Right. I think that's, that's a bunch of, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I thought that's the headline rather than yeah, the actual that's like, yeah, reality. Right. That's how you get a paper in science. 
Exactly. Exactly. Oh, did I say that? Um, oh, you did. You, just did. you did say it. So there, it's all, it's there all, go my chances. It's of... the glory hunters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is not this glory hunting type of shit is not is not new. That's I mean, like that's like sort of the equivalent of us comics looking at someone going, "Oh, he only got that TV show because of his Twitter followers." Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Basically, yeah. They, you know, people people have you know made outlandish claims like this before. Like they've said. You know, a classic one is um, where they say that they've made um, certain kinds of waves go faster than the speed of light, right? They made a wave go faster than the speed of light. Well, what they really did is made a, something like a wave travel faster than the speed of light in some medium that's not space where light is already traveling really slow. And it's like, you know, they're just kind of twisting the words to get some... So, so it's not faster than the speed of light in a vacuum, it's far faster right. than the speed it's of light faster, in... Yeah, right. exactly. It's not faster than this ultimate speed. It's right. faster than the speed of light in some sort of exotic material where light is traveling really slowly. Okay, but so we can get it to overtake light waves, but we can't get it to go faster than the constant C. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And That's so then they take this, like, we made something go faster than the speed of light. And it's like, actually, no, you didn't. That's a lie. And, and you're, tri- you're being totally disingenuous. And this, this upsets Jamie because him and I are really bad at this kind of... Um, <laughs> at playing and, the game. Yeah, that's right. We're just, just well, really exceptionally bad. Because we have integrity, Larry. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what it is. We have integrity. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, Scientist I, has most integrity ever. Write it yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Right. And Larry and I are getting drunk. Like wondering why we haven't published any papers. It's because we have integrity, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need publications. I've got no, integrity. I, I get it. I get it. I'm. That's kind of where I'm at with the comedy now. Is literally like doing a show in a laundromat. Like it's for the art. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, just, I don't care. If nobody's laughing. My <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's um, that's very interesting. I mean, it did seem the article that we read seemed pretty sensationalist. It actually said that we could, they could use this new discovery to build an engine with over 100% efficiency. Which, and that, and which again, when, felt like it was contradicting well, the rules when, of thermodynamics. Yeah. And that's when we all kind of tapped out, I think, as hosts. We were like, yeah. well... It seems... it it That seems like some hyperbole. Right. Because what, I, what kind of, what line of ifs do you have to follow? I, to, but again, yeah, when it says 100% efficient, more than 100% efficiency, again, that seems like it's not... The, the way reading like rereading the article the way it seems to not be contravening rules of thermodynamics and not be like a perpetual motion machine is it does seem to be absorbing it absorbs heat from heat energy from outside of it so rather than expelling heat it heat energy and being less than 100 percent efficient which nearly everything is um it's absorbing heat but being more but but you you probably have to put energy into the thing to get it to this negative temperature state and so that's that's probably how yeah so it's not going to be something that can power a car forever (laughs) that's right 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 right, you need you need a a little nuclear power plant to (laughs) um but it's i don't know but again that was that was all all the articles we read about this are sort of probably three steps removed from the actual paper because it's the, the paper's been written, then that press release has been written about that paper, and then people like Huffington Post and the various science websites have picked that up and written sure. their own articles. So I, right. I'm, always, I'm always wary of like, blaming the, the, the scientists who actually wrote the paper for that, because right. quite, I know that happens a lot of the time in medicine, where biologists, microbiologists particularly, will publish something like um, their paper is, 
hey, we found a compound that has certain positive, yeah. like good for us effects on certain cancer cells. And that yeah. compound is also found in raisins. And by the time it hits the Daily Mail, it's like, Raisins, eat raisins and you will cure all cancer. And it's yeah. all the, they're <laughs> right. never actually saying that. They, Science yeah, but, and nature but, have pretty aggressive uh, PR teams. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But also, you know, yeah, it's, it's partially that the publications are doing that. And, and Science and Nature are, they're, they're the most prestigious journals, but they're actually really bad about doing this kind of crap, which I find really... You know, well, is that because kind of they're the most mainstream as well as being be- the most prestigious? It's well, partly because no, they're, they're for also profit. Just to generate press for themselves. I mean, they make money when you know when they're you know if they're seen as the most prestigious journal because they're always publishing this super cutting edge stuff like you know negative temperatures. Then they become then the it, first choice for all the people with those yeah, kind of things, and, and it's a, it perpetuates. Right. And it costs you know it's, it costs a lot of money for scientists to publish in those journals. They got to you got to you know, pay out thousands of dollars to just publish in those journals. I didn't so, re- oh, oh, so it's actually like pay to publish kind of thing? Yeah. Well, these days, yeah. a lot of times, it's if you want it to be open access, if you want it to be free to people, it'll, I mean, it'll cost you. And if you want to publish, a lot of astronomy journals have page charges and color figures cost extra. And it's, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole, yeah, it's a racket. But a lot of these are not for profit journals. So it's just, you know, like you're, you're, you're paying to just have that journal survive, I guess, you know? Or for other people to be able to access it too. If it's, That's so interesting. It's, it's, it almost feels like if I—I I was about to say it feels like now everything can be put on the internet and that freely accessed. That seems unnecessary. But I guess the journals, their main expense is the re- peer review process, which is essential for science. Yeah. That's no, right. actually, you know, that's a racket too, because the, the, <laughs> <laughs> now we're into oh, this, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah the whole thing because the reviewers, they don't get paid. They're actually doing work for free for these journals. It's kind of a messed up system, honestly, because the journals are charging lots of money and they're, you know, getting all this benefit. And then they, they send the, the papers out to be reviewed by these basically anonymous reviewers who are other scientists in the field who do the reviewing for free. So it's, I don't know. It's a weird system. Well, I, w- I would suppose when you're dealing with something like... Um Okay, something like gravity waves and finding out about them, and let's say you want to publish a paper about it. It seems to me like there's not really a way to instantly monetize that information other than just it's like, oh, we know a really cool thing now about more about where we come from. It's not like I like, uh, found a cure for AIDS. Right, we're not going to build a better anything. We're not building a better anything. We just know more about where we come from, which may be considered by some to be a uh, luxury pursuit. Well, I guess the value would be research grants, and like if it's a university that department that's discovered it, then it's obviously hugely... Like, if a university department yeah. wins a Nobel Prize, that's going to be hugely That's right. That, that gets yeah. the university money right. because the kids want to go yeah. there. And Well, I'm just saying that, okay, but, if you... But if, keep in mind, this is, you know, this is the point of the NSF, right? The NSF exists so that some tiny fraction of taxpayer money National can be Foundation. siphoned off to do what sort of society as a whole thinks is important in this sort of basic research that can't be easily monetized. If it could be easily monetized, then, you know, corporations would be doing it. Right. Which so is, that, we, have, we, we, we think looking for gravitational waves is cool. And so the NSF, we, you know, we as a society put together the NSF to give a little bit of money to pursue that. And, of course, we're deeply 
in gratitude to the taxpayers for paying our salary to do this thing. It's, but, it's just strange to me that you could be someone that you're okay. You're being paid by the NSF. Um, let's say, I mean, I don't, I don't know what any of this, any of the, but let's say you're make you know, you're making just like, you're able to have your studio apartment. You're this brilliant scientific mind, but you have a studio apartment. Um, you know, you're, you're basically getting your groceries, you're living your life. And Larry's you, refrigerator is literally a beer fridge. It's, that's all he's right. got. He doesn't, he doesn't even have a freezer. It's, it's pretty true. Well, okay. So, so, I mean, that's what I picture. And I'm saying that if, let's say, for instance, if you're able to, um, let's say you, you figure out uh, gut, as we were talking about earlier, and you're mm-hmm. able to put it in a box and you're like, this is it. I, I made the primordial ooze. Well, that could be the biggest scientific discovery of the century. Chances are you're still going to just have your beer fridge after that. <laughs> Basically. But well, I mean, maybe I'll, I could get another beer fridge. No, what I'm saying, how do you, I mean, shouldn't someone just give you a billion dollars after that? But, like, that's not going to, there's no way f- I know, to I mean, do there that. are some prizes. Like, if you win the Nobel, you, yeah, you, like, you, you, do, you make millions. Like, you do decently ish. out of that. Yeah, sure. Um, but, Nobel is like a million dollars or something like that. I so. thought they lessened it even this year. They, well, they, if, if they if they give it to multiple people, yeah, they you have to split share the it. prize among everybody who who wins it. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah, sharing. Ah, oh, that's the worst. Which is why you guys have got to do like you know, do your own science in your own ba- in your own basement. <laughs> that's right. It. I ain't sharing it with no one. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Lego's not going to get us a Nobel Prize. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's. I I thought that there's a weird thing with the Nobel as well where it. It has a maximum of three people who can share it. Yes. So there's been cases where there's a fourth or fifth, like person who should be getting it, but they're like, nah, you, you, and you, you, you get the prize. Right. I think that the usual protocol is just to wait till, till like one of those people dies, <laughs> and then and sure, and they word out that way. That's sort of that's that's the oh, easy because it way. can never be because that's the other one. It's it's never posthumous, right? It's always right. Yeah. That's right. Well, um, it's, it's like at the Oscars when. Uh, you know, they give away best films. You have 20 people up there getting their Oscars, but only two of them have time to talk. And I just wonder, like, who's that weird guy in the glasses getting an Oscar? Like, what did he do? You know, and I'm sure he has, like, this crazy story about how he, like, came up with the concept of, you know, and he's just it kind was of... the screenwriter. Yeah, and his mom doesn't get to be thanked. No. That's no, what, um, I've, um, just, uh, like, getting back to the experiment, uh, yes. that, uh, there's another aspect of it that I, I, I didn't understand at all. In fact, uh, Emery Emery, whose equipment we're currently stealing to, uh, to, to record this right now, um, just asked this as well. How, I keep hearing reference to how these discoveries support or potentially support a multiverse theory. How does that connect and what does that even mean in this context? Um, spill it, where's, man. Where's, where's Jana when we need her? Oh, uh, yeah, it, well, is this a Jana job? It could. I mean, it 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 could support a multiverse, right? So there's so as part of part of the um, part of the theory of inflation is that it's not just a single theory of inflation, right? So there's there's a there's a whole family of models. Many of them are now wrong because of right. because of this detection. So that's that's good. So we're getting better there. But some of the ones that are right are, or I, I won't say right, but are still in the running for what's right, 
or for the title of right. I'm sorry, I'm still jet lag, guys. You have to. Oh, yeah, totally we should add this. Well, like, <laughs> oh, I yeah, forgot well, that in the whole in the whole mass, mess of complications. By the way, Andy is definitely not going to make it. He's still in the office. We had Jana in New York, uh, Jamie in Washington, and. Larry, Larry was, in, like in LA with us, but having only been back from France for about a day and a half. Yeah, so it's like, it's, <laughs> but it's 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 good. I've had plenty of coffee, but um, wow. But the the multiverse stuff is sort of that's like that's one of the flavors of inflation. I'll say is this eternal inflation. So different parts of the universe can inflate at different times, and some don't inflate, and some reinflate, and. Yeah, and so and it's not that's not inconsistent with these results. So that's still so that's sort of in the narrowing of the field. That's still in the race. That's still in the running. It's still in the running. But um, yeah, yeah. There's not. There's. I, it's. I'm. I'm hard pressed to think of an experiment you could do to test that right now. I mean, I don't. know, Maybe if you gave me a day or two. I could, <laughs> um, well, that's pretty. Um... Hey, Larry, if you come, if you think of that, you let me know first, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I thing, mean, if, if you think of an experiment that could prove the multiverse in a day or two, I think you could probably get another beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would it would probably cost like ten billion ish dollars or something. I mean, so short short of communicating with another u- universe, um, it's it's sort of hard to figure out. But I, yeah, I can't imagine how it would ever be proved. I mean, I. I um, and this is my, you know, I'm dumb comedian brain here. Well, I don't if know. You, you could maybe communicate with gravitational waves. So now, now we're going off the deep end. Just that's okay. for, for the record. No, like deep end it. That's sort of, that's, yeah. When, was this like in the 80s or like late 90s or something like that? People were writing papers about uh, communicating with disconnected. Wait, Larry, isn't that, isn't that um, the, the, the Kip Thorne's movie, the... Uh, that's about that. Oh, right? is it? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it is. What, there's what a movie? movie? There's a movie coming out that um, Kip Thorne, who's the theorist, sort of father of LIGO, is one of the most not, well-renowned. Not Rip Thorne, who's the angry character. Not, not Rip Thorne. <laughs> no, Thorne. but that's a good way to. He's, con- a, he's a Caltech the theorist. Uh, he's sort of the father of LIGO. He's the he one who's always having gentleman bets with Stephen Hawking, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the two the of them right, are always right, having right. like, "You owe me a stack of porn mags or something." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're dirty. They're dirty bets for some reason. Yeah, uh, physicists can be very dirty. Um, <laughs> sure, but sure. he he um, wrote a screenplay that is made into a movie. Directed by um, Chris Nolan, uh, Chris Nolan, and starring I think Matthew, uh, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey. And, and it's about and it features LIGO and it's coming out this summer where LIGO detects gravitational waves except they're from aliens. What? Black yeah, holes. that's yeah. right. And I, I have to be the first to inform you that they could not get Brad Pitt to play the role of Dr. Price. Mm. Oh, yeah. He just did. They just like, I'm sorry, you're just not handsome enough. (laughs) Sorry, man. It's it's tough. Just total failure. But, but yeah, but that's, but that's one of the ideas that people actually throw around on Twitter. You guys already know there's going to be a fucking blinking light when they discover that. (laughs) You already know it. I'm telling you, man. Get that going. What I'm getting from you is that we need, we need to work on the blinking light. That's more more important to me than anything else. Okay. I, I feel like when you're discovering anything from space, it should happen in the middle of the night, one person in the lab. And there should be a light that starts blinking. So I have a story for you that the, the radio telescope, the Parkes radio telescope in Australia, okay. it's, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere because that's what you want for a radio telescope sure, because sure. you don't want any interference. Right. And it's typically manned by one person at a time. 
And so the guy that, that um, you know, like wrote all the code to, to, to like keep the operator awake uh, made it make bird sounds for various. So it's not quite a red light, but I think there are lights that blink. But there are there are like bird chirps that go off. And every half hour, you know, the guy has to like uh, push a button to let people know he's alive because it would take, you know, six hours to get to the hospital or something. So. Um, wow. Cause just, to, just to be, but it's, it's, it's not quite the red light, but it's, it's, it's getting there, man. I just, it's getting, I just there. want a blinking red light on a satellite <laughs> that can go off. And then I know I've found the big one. <laughs> That's all I you want. Know, I, have, I have to say that Larry, I mean, if there's ever going to be a, you know, Larry's kind of working, you've been working a little bit on the, the blinking red light stuff. A little bit, a little bit, but I'm kind of trying to keep it under wraps because I want to get uh, another invitation to do the podcast. And so, no, you will. You so will. want a big has, revelation. So it has to be. Have, yeah, we can have this be a later, later, later discussion. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll help you write it up in, a, in the most sensationalist way we can. That would be yeah. awesome. I think, I think that should be our goal, is that the four of us should sit down and write a paper and submit it to Science or Nature. But just written in the most upworthy friendly yes, fashion absolutely Could this be the blinking red light that changes how you see the world <laughs> absolutely absolutely um huh. i'm trying to I'm, I'm i'm i know the second we finish this podcast is we're going to have another thousand questions and i'm sure our listeners last time you guys were on the show as well we had a few people yeah, writing with listen, listeners the, questions afterwards that no that was the most emails we've ever gotten after an episode with yeah Ma- mainly really? people just like I bet those guys have huge dicks. Like, what do those guys' dicks look like? We got that. And you know, they were like, 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 oh, Larry, you look like Brad Pitt. Like, but but like, a little bit more handsome. He probably can't quite cut it. He's not going to be good enough uh, to... Totally not handsome. Uh, but, but we definitely had a lot Jamie, of people... Jamie, have my babies. But we had a lot of people writing in with questions uh, look, from the things that you flagged up. And I know there's going to be more. Uh, and and I'm sorry about that. You're about you're, you're definitely going to get some emails between you and Jana over the next few days with... I don't understand we, we brought it on ourselves. We threw around some jargon with reckless abandon. You did. You two. Last time you two got into a into a mini physics argument between the two of you. But that was more based on that was more historical. That was based on Einstein and yeah. what he said. It was historical. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But this is more like. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Well, I think I think we agree here. Like this is this this bicep stuff is awesome. And it's, yeah, it's that's, that's good for the field. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna generate some more experiments. It's. I don't know. It, it, so, it's not what big, we expected. So there's some work to yeah. do. The big, the, so the big uh, discussion on our side has been, did we get scooped? Did, did, did these guys like make our d- detection of gravitational waves before we did? Right. So there's been a lot of like hand wringing about that. And, you know, as Larry said, there's the, there's the whole Taylor pulsar thing that we talked about last time. And that's, that's sort of a detection, but it's not, it's not really a detection. And then this is more of a detection, but is it, is it direct enough or, you know, is our detection going to be more direct? And, you know, there's all that kind of discussion. Going yeah. On. But that's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody should be afraid, right? Like we, there, there's, there's so much in this result that there's like, you know, there's, there's enough for a couple of Nobel prizes, so they'll probably get one, and then when LIGO sees something, sure, something sure. Else. But 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 these things do different things, right? Like we we can never see the signal that they saw with LIGO, right? So maybe maybe in 50 years, there's there's these planned space based uh, gravitational wave missions that target that kind of signal. But you really you really need to get off the ground to get because the frequencies are so low that 
that ground motion at all just kills it. So mm. you need to, you need to get up into space. And right now, I mean, it would cost you like fifty billion dollars or something. So it's probably not going to happen in our lifetimes. But you know, e- eventually, using LIGO-like technology, we might be able to see that. But fifty billion dollars, but that's uh, that's without inflation, huh, <laughs> guys? What? Come on, oh. come on. Except that's not what inflation means, and that's just a different type of inflation. No, it was also because was earlier we were talking about an economic discussion. With, uh, just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was Jan 11, yeah, she, yeah, because she used to be yeah, Jan 10 yeah. before inflation. It was, it was okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, uh, so make sure, Lego movie out right now. Lego movie out later this year. Red light is coming. The red, red light is the coming. The red light is coming. Um, as, be- as before, where can our, our listeners, you guys don't tend to tweet much or uh, come on no, no. Oh, i'll just give out my phone number if any <laughs> well yeah well, let's not do that right now <laughs> we will email we'll email uh, larry's phone weird. number to anyone he wants um La- larry and jamie thank you so much for joining us thanks for having hey, us um our, our, we, my pleasure our we, pleasure we forgot to thank we will we'll have to record an extra bit and where we thank our various listeners who emailed in and a few donors and stuff we'll record that uh yeah, again, we're at a different location, and I absolutely agree with Matt that uh, I'm going to have 50 questions as soon as we turn yeah. our red light off, which is what always happens. Oh, and hey, guess them our way. Hey, you know what? You know, you know what you should do if you if you the red light thing does happen and and you get it all off the ground. You should probably make your own website. You should make your own website. I mean, website to put, put that all in there. I mean, it seems like you guys are hard to get in touch with, and I feel like if you, uh, you know, it'd be easier to get in touch with probably if you had your own. Probably your own website. I don't know I, how you would. I'll, yeah, I've got wait, a domain wait, wait. name. How, it's how would I? Soon. How would I make my own website? Well, you know what you could do, Jamie, is you could use Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace.com. <laughs> it's, no, it's so a, simple. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, if you guys right now, I understand you have offline portfolios. Probably you keep your portfolio in your car. You want to get that portfolio online, and you do I that. Go uh, in Larry's beer fridge. Yeah, you That's make it. your own online portfolio. You simple drag and drop templates. Um, you guys are probably thinking we're going to need some other some other kind of PhD to build our website for us. No. No, do it yourself. Squarespace.com. Offer code probably science. For a discount. For 10% off. Yeah, great discount. Well, discount. Um, but uh, Larry, uh, Jamie, thank, thank you so much for joining us once more. Uh, Jana is gone now, but we can thank her in her absence. Uh, shout yeah. out to Andy Wood, who's, I think, just leaving an office now. Yeah, well. Um, I've been Matt Kirshen. <laughs> and he'll be back next week. Um, any questions, comments, clarifications, uh, probablyscience.gmail.com. You can tweet us at probablyscience. Um, shout out to me! Shout out to Emery Emery, who helped set up all the. Who, yeah. shout, who you heard in the background requesting that, but at the same time, thoroughly deserved. He set up this whole thing. We wouldn't be able to record without him. We, we're stealing his equipment. We um, are stealing his equipment. So uh, thank you, Emery, and, uh, and Ardent Atheist and, and uh, Skeptic Leors, which are his two podcasts that are normally recorded on this equipment. So go and listen to those. Some of those episodes feature both me and uh, Jesse. And I think Andy's on at least one of them as well. Yeah, if you can't get enough, you know, pop on over there. So have a listen to those. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you so much, our physicists. Thank you, uh, the universe, for expanding in a specific way and giving us something to talk about for an hour or so. Sure, sure. And thank you, all of you guys, for tuning in. So Jamie Rollins, Larry Price, thanks, guys. We'll, uh, Bye. Thank thanks. you. Bye, Bye. Guys. Thank you. Thank you.